0: evening. It's good to see everyone tonight. Uh, Pastor Zeke is out of town. He's in Mexico actually, so pretty far out of town. Uh, My mom had spring break this week and so they thought let's get out of town and went to go visit some family. It's real good for them. Uh, There's just some family, you know. well you know that if you don't really make it a point to go see them, you just don't see him so uh, so they're out there and they're having a good time right now and so be in prayer for him we always love it when he just slows down and rests a little bit and so because of that uh, I'm here tonight and so we're going to be looking uh, we're going to stay in the Old Testament we're not going to continue on with the 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 study in Kings Uh, but when uh, I knew I was going to be speaking I I just really started asking the Lord what he would want to share, and, and really it's so much of what I'm going through and what I have to be reminded of, and I, I find that um, just a, you know, again, good reminder. And so we'll be in Jeremiah chapter 17. Uh, usually if you're in the book of Jeremiah, uh, there's a couple of places you could look. Usually it's 29, right? That's the one that has all the postcards and the stuff inside the Christian bookstore is from chapter 29, but we're not there tonight. This would probably be uh, the second most popular verse in Jeremiah, I think, maybe the third. But there's this verse in verse 9 there. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Who could know it? And so we've all heard that verse before. But we're going to actually get to that verse starting from verse 1. And we're going to, you know, if there's a title for tonight, it would just be real simple. Trust in God. Trust in God, what does it mean to trust? Uh, when I think about trust, I think about putting my weight in something or on something, right? H- have you ever trusted something that couldn't hold you, right? I remember back a time I went on a missions trip, and in South America, it- it's like everybody has those plastic chairs, you know, those ones that are out like, you know, outside, but they have them inside, Right? Has anybody ever noticed this when you go to maybe a Latin American country? It's like this, and well, depending on how old those chairs are, you might not trust them. And we had a a a gal on our team, and uh, she—how embarrassing! It would have been better if it happened to a guy, but you know, she had been a little bit, you know, mouthy. I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, And so she goes at the dinner table and sits in one of these chairs. And she falls all the way to the ground. The thing breaks. And we had to do, I mean, the, the missionary family there just starts busting up laughing. They don't know how to deal with it. And we're trying our best to like, you know, compose ourselves. But she sat somewhere that couldn't be trusted, right? Uh, thankfully, this one holds Jim right here. And that could be trusted, right? And he puts his faith in that, right? Right. And the same with everything we do. We put our trust in things. And so tonight we're going to look at four different places that we put our trust. And so we will either, as the text would show us, verses 1 through 4 would show what happens when we put our trust in other gods. Uh, verses 5 and 6 show what happens when we put our trust in other men or people. Verses 7 and 8 show what shows us what happens when we trust in God. And then verses 9 and 10, what happens when we trust in our own hearts, right? So uh, that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, Chapter 17, verse 1, follow along with me, please. It says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with the point of a diamond it is engraved, on the tablet of the heart and on the horns of your altars. While their children remember their altars and their wooden images, by the green trees on the high hills, O oh, my mountain in the field, I will plunder. I will give as plunder your wealth, all your treasures and your high places of sin within all your borders, and you, even yourself, shall let go of your heritage which I gave you, and I will cause you to serve your enemies in the land which you do not know, for you have kindled a fire in my anger which shall burn forever." Verse 5, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see the good when it comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Verse nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Lord, as we get ready to study your word, we ask that you would open our hearts. Lord, that you would control our will. That as we look at these things, and like your word does, Lord, it's like a mirror that reflects who we are. We pray, Lord, that as we see who we really are, In the light of your glory, that God, we would change what needs to be changed. That we would hear what we need to hear. That we would establish what ought to be established. Lord, fill us with your spirit, we pray. Would you be the one who is our teacher tonight? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you've studied the book of Jeremiah, you know the context here. But if not, we'll review that Jeremiah is a prophet during the exile. And what that means is uh, the nation of Israel had at some point become split about uh, two generations after King David. The kingdom split in half, and not really in half, really it was 10 twelfths went to the north, and uh, two two twelfths stayed in the south. So you have the, the nation of Israel above, Judah down below, and um, in their whole history, Israel never had a good king, all kings that followed other gods. And so they were taken captive by the Assyrians. The The lower kingdom of Judah was a little faithful to the Lord. They had like four good kings uh, out of the bunch. And so, uh, but still they were mostly bad. They served other gods. And because of that, they were then taken captive by the Babylonians, right? And so uh Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon is the one who came in. And so Jeremiah is kind of towards the tail end after like um, after the persecution started coming. And he was telling everyone, OK, listen, you have to go into captivity. That's what God says. We have to go. Stop fighting it. Just we have to go to. And the people are like, no way, Jeremiah, there's no way we're doing that stuff. And so here he's going to get really serious about what's going to happen throughout all of this. And so he says in verse one, the sin of Judah. So he's right into the southern kingdom. It, it, the sin is written with a pen of iron, with the point of a diamond. It's engraved on a tablet of the heart, uh, on the horns of the altars. So he's talking about their worship first. He he says that it's written with an with an iron pen. That iron or this or this diamond tip blade, so to speak, would be something that's used to carve into rock. It's permanent, right? And he says, this has been written on your hearts. And he gets into their worship. And he'll even reference that there in verse 2. He says that the children, remember, the altars and the, and the wooden images by the green trees and the high hills. The, the people were known for worshiping in places they shouldn't worship. Right? They would go up into the high places, up into the hills, and they would worship other gods. There was the, the, you know, Ashtoreth and, the, you know, these fertility god and goddesses and they were worshipped with immorality. You, you have Molech that was another god that, that it was that, if you remember, it was a god of, um, oh geez, what's the word I'm looking for right now? Of what? It was sacrifice, but it was to get something. Gosh, I totally forget right now. Look it up when you get home. Uh, but it was this statue with the hands out, right? And they would they would heat it with fire so it would get so red. And once the hands were red, they'd put their babies on it and sacrifice their babies. And so it was a really jacked up culture in this time. And the things that they were doing, he goes, man, you guys are set in your sin. And because you're set in your sin, I'm going to have to correct you. And he says, you know, even you, verse 4, even yourself shall let go of your heritage that I gave you. You remember that, right? After Exodus, they they finally, by the book of uh, Joshua, get to a point where they enter the promised land. He goes, I gave you this place as a heritage. Now you're going to lose it because of your disobedience to me, because you're worshiping other gods. And then he tells him, and I'm going to cause you to serve your enemies. I'm going to cause you to have to go and serve someone else. You see, God's a jealous God. He also knows what's best for us. It's in Romans chapter 7 that he talks about uh, that we will be slaves to someone. It's just our nature. He says you could be a slave to sin or you could be a slave to God. I'll tell you, God's a better master, isn't he? Isn't he a way better master to serve? But it's built in us. to to serve someone. And so he said, okay, you guys don't want to serve me anymore? You want to worship your other gods? Here's what's going to come with that, that they'll become slaves. And so we see in the first part, and we're going to talk about this later again in application, but if we want to serve other gods, we will become slaves. Then he gets to verse five and he says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. So now he's talking to a group. He said, you wanted to serve those other gods. What comes with it is slavery and serving another. But he says, but cursed is the man who would trust in other men, who would put all his trust in someone else. The one who would believe or trust or rely on, or like we said earlier, put their weight in, he says that this one will be like a shrub in the desert. Don't we know what that looks like? Right? Just yesterday as I was locking up the front doors, I looked out in the parking lot and just watching this tumbleweed roll through. Right? Uh, weeks ago, that tumbleweed wasn't tumbling. <laughs> it just started. We, we know how this works, and it really looks like this right now where we live because of all the rain, Right? All the green that comes out. What will that look like in about two months? It'll look brown or tan. It's just, it's going to be, all, all of it will be gone. And so he's saying, when we make man our trust, when we make flesh our strength, and he even says, whose heart departs from the trusting in the Lord. He says, it's like a shrub in the desert. And it shall not see when the good comes. You know, those tumbleweeds that grow up real fast, right? They're green, so green at the beginning, and they grow up fast. And if you don't nip them when they're small, they're going to grow real big, and they're, and they're green, but man, you give it a couple months, right? Those things don't even get to see Christmas, right? Or they do, but somewhere else, you know, they just roll on down to what El Mirage or something like that. Wherever it stops, I don't know, but they just roll and roll. Uh, It says, but they shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness. That's where they're headed, in a salt land that's not inhabited. And so, number one, we saw that when we trust in other gods, we become slaves. When we trust in other people, we're blown away. Things are always changing. But then he says this in verse seven and eight. and This is where we're going to spend a, a bulk of our time together because we want to look at not just what not to do. We want to really focus on what we ought to do. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. So this trust would be this belief, th- this putting our weight in, relying on God, whose hope is in the Lord, whose, whose expectation would be in the Lord. He says he is like a tree Planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river. What a beautiful picture that is, huh? Isn't that descriptive? Like there's a difference between just a strong tree and a tree that's planted near the river. All of a sudden, we kind of go somewhere else in our minds of somewhere else. And, and we, you know, I think of, um, I, I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. It was just, the lights are on and off. Who knows what's going on? But I heard the buzzing stop when that happened. That's really nice. I feel like I can hear everything now. Okay. Why don't we just keep talking, huh? Don't pay attention to that. You get distracted, you know? Okay. Anyways, it was a, <laughs> Gary's going, keep it going, keep it going, pick it up. Okay, we'll have to edit that part out, Thomas. Um, anyway, don't leave it. It's fine. The think that they were here okay here's what we're talking about there was a time I remember going down on a missions trip to Peru and we went to the northern part of Peru uh, a, a little city called Iquitos maybe someone's heard of it before but it's where the Amazon River starts and so it was a lush green place big trees like strong trees and they took us in a boat down the river to go to a little village so we're like in the Amazon River And I'm like, this ain't like feeling, (laughs) right? Because these trees have been by water their whole life, and their roots are down there. And so that's why he says he says this is like a tree that's planted by the waters, and and he and even talks about the roots. He says it spreads its roots, it spreads its roots by the river. And so we and we know what the roots do. That's what sucks in all the nutrients. That's what sucks in all the water and sends it back up the tree. But then listen to what this tree is able to do. This is a healthy tree because it says that the tree will not fear when the heat comes. Why? Because there's tons of water in it. Because it's healthy inside. So there's security in this tree. There's courage, right? He says it's not going to fear. When the heat comes, it says that the leaf, it's a leaf will be green. It will not even be anxious in the year of drought. Isn't that cool that it goes? I, I don't have anything to fear. My roots are deep enough. I've gotten what I'm looking to get out of the water, you know, and it's just this healthy tree that's not it's not anxious. There There's calmness there's serenity, and then, last, it's fruitful. It says that this tree will not cease from yielding fruit. And so, when we trust in other gods, we become slaves. When we trust in other people, we're blown away. When we trust in God, we're secure and we're healthy. Last, he says in verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Now, I know that like if you watch enough Disney movies, you'll be told to trust your heart, right? Or, you know, just follow your heart. Or if you watch Sandlot, you remember Sandlot? Follow your heart, kid. It'll show you the way. And it's like, uh, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> we're taught this from a young age just follow your heart whatever you feel well god knows reality he's like no your heart is wicked it's deceitful that means our heart can lie to us anybody ever been like taken off course by just trusting yourself by trusting in what your own emotions say why because our our emotions lie to us they're not always facts and so we could go off the wrong way. He says that it's, it's not just wicked, it's desperately wicked. He says, who could even know it? Who could know the depths of it? And so the Lord says, so I, the Lord, I search the heart, I test the mind, I give to everyone according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. And so if we trust our own heart, we will receive the fruit of it. So in kind of application tonight, I want to talk about what this looks like for us. You know, at the beginning, and and if you think about prosperity, that's what I was thinking as we get back to Molech was the god of prosperity. If you're a note taker, you could write that. But here, as we talk about these other gods, you you know, think of the children of Israel here that they had come into the promised land and they followed the Lord, and you see, you remember like through the judges. They go through these cycles of like they're in, in a place of blessing, but then they forget about God. And, and, and so often this is the case that as we follow the Lord, we begin to go, yeah, yeah, this is good. I'm, I'm getting the fruit of making probably a lot better decisions, but also just having blessing from God. And somehow we begin to think that this blessing is a result of maybe who we are, or the things that we're doing, and we can start trusting other things, adding other things, and those things help us. And then, instead of it being like, you know, God, who we serve, and then there's like some other things in our life, now God's kind of like on the same like plane as those other things in our life. And then God's just a part of our life. And we forget that he's not just one of our resources. He is the source, right? And I think we've all been there. I think we've all had times in our lives where we start trusting in other things. I'll I'll tell you, I remember a time uh, we had a pastor share at a um, couples retreat. And they were talking about one time in their life they went and planted a church. And they didn't, they're like, and we just couldn't have health insurance. And I remember going, Lord, never, never, ever, ever would I do that. I will never go without health insurance. I've got an asthmatic kid. I cannot handle that. And I remember the Lord going, you know, I I don't know what Paul's policy was, but somehow he made it through. Until God said, you're done. (laughs) Or you know the the disciples when when Peter and and, and Andrew go hey we're gonna go follow the Lord I, he didn't go okay but what kind of benefits does that come with you know are we is it HMO PPO like what are we gonna choose here right before I go really follow and so there and I'm not saying insurance is bad I'm saying that in my life at that point I had an unhealthy trust in health insurance. Because I wasn't trusting the Lord. Or or maybe there was a time when we first got married and we were able to put a ton of money in the bank at first. And I go, Lord, I I trust you so well. And I remember the Lord going, I don't think you trust me like you think you do. Because the lower your savings account gets, the more stressed out you get. And I'm going, well, Lord, I'm just doing what the Proverbs tell me. And I'm being wise. And he's like, no, that's cool. But I think you really do trust it. Because then there would be other times in our life when there wasn't as much money there that we would have to go, Lord, we really need you to provide right now. And I think most of us have been in that place too, right? That there's times that things are good. There's times they're not as good. And we have to go, who do we really trust? It could be a career. It could be education. It could be the system. Uh, you know, one of the things we I always see is, you know, how... Starting in seventh grade, man, our school system knows how to disciple our kids and tell them how to serve their system. You know, you get these requirements. Okay, this is what you need to do. You know, our school counselors told us in seventh grade, this is what you got to start tracking for. So that you can go to a UC because if you can go to a UC school you 'll be better than the people who go to community college and if you can do that you get a degree from here and it has a UC before it then you 'll have the best kind of job and the only kind of job you should get and you, and you don 't want to be the one with the dirty hands you want to be the boss of the guy with the dirty hands and you know there 's all this stuff that the school and and so by the time you 're a junior in high school you 're going yes yes that 's where i 'm going that 's what i 'm doing and so you trust in this and, and man i've been a, I was a youth pastor too long that a lot of my kids the students who went through that system and they get to the end and they go Oh wait, but I didn't even get accepted because the school's already full. So now what does that mean for me? And their dreams are just shattered, or they went through the UC school that they at the time couldn't afford, and then they graduate and go, wait, I have all this debt, and no one's offering me, you know, this hundred thousand dollar a year job like my counselor said. I, I and we could get and we could put our trust in other things. And we could become enslaved to those things, can't we? I'll tell you, there, there's more anxiety in high schools now than there's ever been. And it's it's an age group that's probably more stressed out than most age groups because there there's so much riding on what I do between 14 and 18 years old. <laughs> yeah, after I turned about 30, I was like, <laughs> those years weren't as pivotal as I thought they were. Right? Because sometimes bad things happen even after you're 25 and you, and you bounce back. <laughs> right? And so, but we realize who do we trust? Which system? What? And, and it's so easy to trust in other things. And I'm not saying it's bad to have other things. I think it's wonderful that you have an education. I think it's wonderful that you have finances. It's wonderful to have insurance. But when that is our God, when that's the thing we serve, that that's the, and, and part of, um, one 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 person told me this at one time. Hold on to Jesus tightly. You know everything else. Just keep an open hand with. That if God were to say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that back," that we'd be able to go, "Okay, Lord, you you get." We sang the song today, didn't we? Sing that song, "Blessed be Your Name." You give and take away, but my heart's still gonna say, "Blessed be Your Name," right? And that's hard, isn't it? But what are our gods? What do we serve? That if, if the Lord were to say, hey, I'm going to take this back, can we still say, okay, cool, well, I worship you anyway. So I'll worship you whether there's insurance or no insurance. I'll, I'll worship you whether there's this much in the bank or if there's nothing in the bank. I'm, I'm going to worship you if um, if the career works out the way I thought. But when we hold tightly to those things that aren't that aren't made to be worshipped. We become a slave to those things. And and how do we know what we're truly worshipping? How how do we know if those things have the right place in our life? Because again, they're not bad things. But how do we know if they have the right place? You know, again, this god Molech was a god of prosperity but I think that what you were paying for that prosperity became a little too much, right? That they would sacrifice their kids in order to gain prosperity. I think there's times that we could be doing the same thing in our lives. We don't put them on a, on red burning hands, but there's things that we'll sacrifice so that we can go get ahead or do whatever. And we just have to be careful. But, but one of the things, and this is for me, that I have been able to say, okay, is that thing becoming too much in my life right now? Is this thing too big? Where, where does my attention and my affection and my time and my money go to? Right? My time, my money, my attention, my affection, where is it? And if it is so poured into something that's not meant to be a God, I'll usually uh, develop a little bit of anxiety, right? When that thing's not going just right. And so let's guard ourselves from becoming slaves to those things and honestly ask the Lord, Lord, is it okay what I feel about this thing? Again, whatever it is. Lord, is, it, is this of you that I'm doing this? Or is it not? And it's very difficult to pray that prayer because then if God were to say, Yeah, you got a way unhealthy relationship with that, to be able to go, Okay, then I'm gonna have to back off of that a little bit. But there's only one true God, and that's the one we gotta worship. Uh, because so many other things I, I remember uh, hearing it said about finances that money makes a wonderful servant, makes a horrible master. Right. When we when we live for that, you know, it, it's it's just killer. You know, it's like always just draining and sucking from us. And I want more. I'll do whatever it takes to make more. And I, you know, I remember one of my first job, one of my early jobs was selling cars. And, you know, I got to a point I was 19 years old and I was making, I don't know, like three thousand bucks a month. And and the guy who worked in the finance office said, well, I, you know, I make I make 10 grand a month and I'll do whatever I can to make 18 grand a month, you know, because that's when I'll have enough. And I was going, man, I'm at like when I was first making a thousand, it's like I'll do whatever I can to make two thousand a month. And then once I got to that, I'll do whatever it takes to make four thousand a month. And once I made four thousand a month, I'll do whatever it takes to make eight thousand dollars a month. You know, it's like I always need a double to feel secure. And I realized real quick, wait, I think I'm I think I'm worshiping money, not worshiping God. And so we have to be very careful about the things that we're taking in because he says, again, here's what's going to happen. You'll end up serving your enemies. You'll end up serving those things and not serving the Lord. In in verse 5, when he gets into serving other people, he says, who, cursed is the man who, I'm sorry, not, not serving, but trusting. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Now, th- that's not to say we can't have people that we love, that we care about, that we say, hey, can you help me out with this thing or that thing? Can you, can you, but... I mean, has anybody ever trusted somebody and they've not come through for them? <laughs> that was a loud enough, <laughs> right? Yeah, of course we have. Why? Because they're just people like you and I. And and we could sometimes put an unhealthy amount of weight on another person, whether it's to be there for us, you know, physically, Emotionally, spiritually, financially, you know, where we could put this weight in somebody else and it's like, You gotta come through for me. You gotta come through for me. Because then when they can't come through for us, then we go, Man, see what this did and man, I mean, we I know I've put myself in a place a few times where when someone else doesn't come through, it changes a whole lot of my plans, right? even plans into the future, right? I mean, if somebody cancels for dinner, I mean, I'll figure that out. But when they cancel on certain things, you know, it, it can really throw us for a loop. But you think of these people, again, the children of Israel, that they're in a place that, that captivity is just around the corner. You know, they're in a, and, and so there could be, I'll trust this guy to help me, or I'll go, hey, can you can you bail me out of this? And that's what they were looking for. And God's going, don't trust other men don't trust man because what ends up happening is we, we we get blown away we become like this like this shrub in the desert uh, turn with me real quick because it's very similar to Psalm chapter 1 and I, I really believe that um, that Jeremiah had this psalm in mind as he wrote. Maybe he, uh, you know, had recently read it, or he just it just came to mind as he was writing this. But in Psalm chapter 1, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So what he's saying is, is there is a man, okay? And the man who's blessed of God does not do these things. And here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't walk in the counsel of those who are ungodly. He doesn't stand there in the same path as the sinners. And he doesn't sit there in the seat of the scornful. If you go to verse four, it says the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff. That the wind drives away, and so the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Doesn't that sound very similar to what Jeremiah wrote? That he's talking about these people who trust in other men, and I am blown away. I used to work construction. I'm blown away at how much uh, life counseling happens in the workplace. Because you work with these people for all these hours, you start talking about things and it's like, you know what you should do, man? You should do this, this, and this. And it's like, oh, oh, that's a great idea. And it sounds like a great idea. And you go and do it and you get yourself into trouble and you're like, hey, what, why did you tell me to do that? It's like, well, you shouldn't have listened to them, Right? I mean, these guys who, again, I'm going to make fun of, I was a construction worker, so I can make fun of construction workers. It's okay. But it's like, you're not a PhD in anything. <laughs> and you're going to tell me how I should make my financial life decisions. You know, it's just, it's not the wisest thing. But you know what? Other people can let us down just as easily. Right? I, I um, When I used to live down the hill, Whenever anything would happen in my life, good or bad, I'd, I'd usually phone my best bud. It was my dad. I'd always call him. I Hey, what, uh, so this happened today. What do you think I should do? Or or what do you, you know? And even he loves the word of God, but the guy's not perfect, right? Even he could make decisions sometimes that aren't wise because he's just a man. And so I remember there being a time that, that the Lord was kind of like convicting me going, hey, why don't you talk to me first? Your dad's a great guy, but maybe you should talk to me first and we could do this can't we whether it's with our our best friends, whether it's with our family members with our wife, our kids or our co-workers that we could put our trust in other people and, and and we could start doing that and then but what happens is well this is what happens is that those opinions change throughout time, don't they? Styles change. Ideas change. Methods change. And so I can go ask this guy for counsel here, but based on, you know, whatever he's been going through, that's the kind of counsel I'm going to get back. And then, and then you know, I go and ask this person. You know, you could ask five people their opinions, get 30 different answers, right? And all of a sudden, you're, you're kind of like going back and forth and what should I do and this and that. And you feel like that tumbleweed that's just blowing around from here to there. And it goes, where does the tumbleweed go? I think I want to go to Victorville today. Not, the wind's not blowing that way. He ain't going there. Right? He's only He can only go where the wind takes him. And isn't that the case when we trust in other people? Okay, yeah, I'll go, I'll go, yeah, oh, that's a good idea. I'll do, no, oh, I should go over here and maybe I'll do that. Well, maybe it's this way or now it's that way. And we have to learn to silence those voices and hear the voice that we need to hear, right? We need to be careful in who we put our trust in, not in other gods, not in other people, I want to skip down to verse 9 and then we'll finish up in verses 7 and 8. But he says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Or it's deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Who could know it? And he says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. And I give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. One of my favorite verses as it comes to trusting in your own heart Is in Ecclesiastes. Turn to Ecclesiastes with me. Ecclesiastes chapter eleven verse nine. One of my favorite verses to quote as it comes to our hearts. Ecclesiastes eleven nine, it's what is that just right after Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. He says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. (laughs) Isn't that good? He goes, yeah, follow your heart, do it. Eat it up, man. Whatever you see, whatever you want, you know, just walk with, do what your heart says, do what your eyes say, but God will judge it. (laughs) So that would tell me, don't do that. (laughs) Don't just trust in your heart. Don't just walk in the light of your eyes. I mean, doesn't Paul tell us? He says, for we walk by what? Faith, not by sight. Why? Because we can't see everything. And that's what I loved about this song, the song we ended with, where he says, you're the everlasting God. You do not faint. You don't grow weary. You're the defender of the weak. You comfort those in need, I believe is the words. But that everlasting God is, is that he goes from the vanishing point all the way to the vanishing point. We can all, and here is really nice. You can see pretty far here, can't you? One of my favorite views is walking out the, the side door here as the sun's setting and you see the darkness starting coming over the valley here. And you can see on a clear day after it's rained, I mean, you could probably see over 100 miles out that way, right? And when it's snowed, you could see like the, the base of the Sierras over there. We could see a long way, but there comes a, a vanishing point, doesn't there? A part where we can't see any further You know who can see that? God. But if I make all my decisions solely on what I can see or what I feel, I don't know the full picture. Right? And haven't we gotten in trouble in our lives for making decisions prematurely based on what my knowledge is and what I know and what I can see And we've gotten ourselves into trouble trusting in our own hearts. Because then all of a sudden some other information comes and you go, Ooh, I didn't know that. You know, I think that happened really early on when I started doing youth ministry. Man, you want to learn some stuff, man. Go serve in youth ministry. Just about human nature, you know. You've got that kid that comes and complains, so-and-so said this and did this, and this is what happened, and yeah, that feels right, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, you know what, I'm going to, you know, deal with it like this, (laughs) and then someone else who, you know, then the other kid comes, that's not what happened, this is what happened, and he tells you what happened, and Oops, well, let's just, you know, since we made one huge mistake one way, let's just make a huge one the other way. And, okay, I'm just going to fully support you. And then the eyewitness comes and goes, that's not at all what happened. They're both snowing you in, man. Like, this is what really happened. And and all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I can't even, I can't trust my heart. I need to actually get facts, gather information before I make a decision. But there's times that it's like, but it just feels right in my heart. How many times have we seen this as, you know, as far as relationships go? But it just feels like he's the one. You do this a lot in youth ministry too. Uh, and you go, sorry. I know it feels that way. But again, our hearts are deceitful. They're wicked. And so we can't trust our hearts and what they have to say. Sometimes our hearts have already been influenced by other people or other gods. So that's why they can't be trusted. I think of James chapter 3. It's like verses 14 through 17 where he talks about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom that comes from God. And he talks about how the wisdom, he says where there's envy and self-seeking He says every evil confusion and evil things are there. He says that the wisdom of the world, it's earthly, it's sensual, which has to do with what we can see, what we can touch, right? That, that you know, to our senses, it's demonic. He says, but the, the, the wisdom from God, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield. It's full of mercy, full of good fruits. There's no partiality, there's no hypocrisy in it. That's the wisdom that comes from God. And so that takes us to verses 7 and 8, where he says, So blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord, that that's what we trust. Do you know why? Because it doesn't change. I love that about God, that if you wanted to follow God in the 14th century, it's the same as following God here today, 2017. I, that's what you're worried, right? 17? You know, it takes till like July to start putting the right date on stuff. But, but God doesn't change, and I love that about Him because I've always had a hard time fitting in. I've always wanted to be cool, and cool is just always like two steps ahead, right? That by the time you finally get to where everyone else was, there are two more steps ahead. And, and, and I just realized this one time. I go, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to live for you. There's no guessing here. You tell me what I need to do. Love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love my neighbor as myself it's the same rules since jesus gave them to us right love god obey his commands well what are the commands they're always changing no they're really not it's the same thing and and again if you'll turn back with me to psalm chapter one if you're if you held that sorry if you didn't but psalm chapter one he talks about and it almost sounds identical to what he says in jeremiah seventeen. Again, in Jeremiah 17, I'll just remind you of the words he uses. He says, He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, spreads the roots by the river, will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green, it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Look at what it says in Psalm 1, verse 2. It says, His delight, this man blessed of God, His delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Wow! Isn't that good? And so I see such a connection here between Trusting in God and delighting in the Word of God. How do we trust God? How do we know what God likes or doesn't like, wants or doesn't want? Who is God? How do we know? We know by His Word. You know, His Word isn't just a book. Our Bible is not just a book of do's and don'ts. Though it has some do's and don'ts in it, right? The Bible isn't just a story of great men and women of faith and that we want to be like. It has that, but that's not the chief goal is like, hey, look at David. Just be like David, you know, (laughs) or look at Joseph. Just be like Joseph or for you ladies, right? Just be like Ruth or Esther or Deborah or one of them there. That's there, but the the primary thing we get when we study the Word of God is we find the character and nature of God, who He is. So we know who we're trusting. We know what He desires. And so I have to say with all of this, we've got to be people that are rooted and grounded in the Word of God. I'll, I'll tell you, this is one of the things I love about my dad, is he's a man of the Word. He would never share anybody, but he's not here tonight. I can say whatever I want about him, right? He he would never share this. He's walked with the Lord for over 35 years now. He's never gone, at least that he can remember, he's never gone more than three days without reading his Bible. In 35 years. There's some wisdom there as a result. I'll remember, and I'll never forget this. I've always been watching the guy. There was a family party and something had happened in the news or whatever. And everyone wants to know, well, what do you think about this? And it's like, I remember them going, Zeke, what do you think about this? And he's like, well, I'll tell you what the Bible says. We don't want to know what the Bible says. What do you think? And he's like, that is what I think. His mind has been transformed. It it comes in line with the word of God. And that's what's so important. Again, that's how we know who we're trusting. Is it within the character and nature of God to do that thing? You know, there. I remember this one guy telling me, well, God led me to do this. And I go, he couldn't have. He couldn't have led you to do that because that's unbiblical. It's not scriptural for you to do that. And so it's got to line up with the word of God. I'm, you know, ashamed that in my own life, there are times when I don't trust God. You know, we we put this trust in God for the biggest thing that we ever have, and it's salvation, right? We trust God for our salvation. We trust that God on that day when we breathe our last and step into eternity, we trust that God will take care of getting our soul to heaven, right? And yet with lesser things we go, well, I'll trust myself with that or I'll trust someone else with that or I'll I'll trust another God with that. We have to truly trust God. We have to truly put all our weight in him and let him be the one to lead us and guide us and direct us. I sometimes am guilty with the Lord of of my trust in him even being on my own terms. Has anyone ever like multiple choice prayed with God? God, I... I'm just gonna say, can you do this or that? You know, can you just give me one or the other, or maybe even see? But, but really, God, I need you to choose between A and B, because I've made up my mind on how those both work, and that's the way I'm gonna walk. And so, God, just you know, put your amen on one of these. And so often, when we trust in the Lord, and we and we leave kind of just like. When we go to pray, we leave something that looks more like this, just a blank piece of paper and go, Lord, what do you want? Lord, I want to trust you. What do you want for this situation? What do you want for this season of life? Not, not the ones that I've chosen I'm handing to you, but Lord, what do you really want? And sometimes we're surprised, aren't we? That we're like, I would have never thought of that. I would have never figured that that was the way this was going to work. I'll tell you. And I'm only in my early 30s here. So some of you guys are like, ha, 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 kid. But, you know, my life isn't what I drew it up to be. I drew this up a lot different when I was 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. Right? I had this drawn up a lot different. But, you know, when you kind of just give God the pad and go, okay, God, I'm trusting you to lead." and i could look back and go boy i'm really glad i followed what he said right i know again only 32 but it's like i don't have any regrets following god and saying hey why don't you chart the course and i'll just follow and i think in a room this size there's a lot of people who would who would be able to say amen and go yeah that that's yeah that's that's pretty right on that when we just trust in him and let him lead Because here's what what happens, even in our own lives. That when we trust in the Lord, when we are so wrapped up, when our identity is so wrapped up in who God is, there's nothing this world can do against us, right? Right? We love that verse, right? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You know, we love that verse in Romans that, that tells us we're more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We love that. That that comes when we trust in him, when we're totally surrendered to him. You know, you think of a guy like Paul the Apostle and you go, "What what do you do? If you're an enemy of Paul the Apostle, what do you do? Because he's just like, He's good with everything, right? In Philippians when he's in prison and he's like, you know, I'm kind of at this point where I'm stuck here. I can't preach the gospel. And so people who don't like me are out preaching the gospel because they're thinking I'm going to get jealous. He's like, I'm stoked on it. I'm excited that they're teaching the gospel out there. And so they're like, oh, we thought we were going to get to him by preaching the gospel harder. Turns out he likes that. And and then they go, well, we will kill you. And what does he say? Awesome. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's better. He's like, you know, sometimes I can't even decide what I want more. I kind of want to die and go be with the Lord. I kind of want to stay. And they go, well, we'll kill you. Great. No, we'll make you live. Better. No, then we'll kill you better. You know, it's like, oh, what do you do with a guy like that? What do you do? But isn't that kind of what it says here in Jeremiah seventeen eight? He says, there will be no fear when the heat comes. You remember the parable of the sower, where he goes out and sows seed, and there's a seed that falls on the rocks, and it doesn't have much depth of earth. And so what happens, he says, when the sun comes out, it scorches it and it dies, similar to what we read earlier. But do you remember when Jesus explains the parable? The sun was a picture of what? Does anybody remember? It's a picture of persecution. He says when persecution arises, it burns out because there's no depth. That's the one that was among the stones. But the one who's in the good ground, or like the tree we're looking at tonight, that's got got roots down by the river, When the heat comes hot, it goes, no problem. No problem, I'm strong enough. I could stand for this. Some of you, you've dealt with degrees of persecution in your workplace or whatever, where they they make fun of you for being a Christian or because you don't do what they do. Or maybe even within your households, they make fun of you for being a Christian within your family or whatever. And you could go, it's all right. I don't fear those who could kill the body and after that have no power. I fear the one who can kill the body and then send the soul to hell. That's who I live for. That's who I fear. He says that there's not even anxiety in the year of drought. That, that when all is stripped away, when, when, there's, when there's not a lot there, he goes, I'm not worried. And isn't that what we want for ourselves? To be able to trust so fully in the Lord that come what may, we're going, we're fine. Just trust in the Lord. Apparently, this is where He wants me right now. And I'll never forget, and I've told this story too many times, so I won't say it again. But there have been times in my life where I'm going, okay, Lord, I guess this is what you want from me right now. And I have to trust that you know best. Because the temptation is that when we're trusting in the Lord, like so trusting in Him, and, and the storms come, right? But we're standing on the rock so we're good. But then there's this temptation somewhere in there, and you know it, I know it, that there's this temptation in the midst of a storm or in a trial that's prolonged or something, it's like it's still bad. There's this desire to go, okay, I've, Lord, I gave you, I gave you three weeks to work this out and you haven't done it yet. So now I'm going to trust myself. Or, Lord, I gave you, you know, a year to deal with this and you haven't done it. So now I'm going to trust in someone else. Or, or I've done this, Lord. I've, I've hung in longer than I think I could. So I'm going to go to my other gods now. We don't want to be there. Because the result is that if we go to other gods, we'll become slaves to those things. If we go to other people, we'll be blown away in the wind. And if we trust in our own heart, we'll receive the fruit of that. And so may we be people who trust in the Lord and like a tree that can spread its roots, can stand strong, be healthy, and even be a blessing to those around us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, how through it you remind us time and again of who you are. Lord, you are so worthy of our praise and our adoration and our trust. Tonight, we ask you, is there anything that we're trusting that is not you, Jesus? Is there anything that we're trusting that's not you? Holy Spirit, we would ask you to reveal those things to us so that we might confess and repent and come back to a place of saying, I trust you, God. Lord, we know all of this is impossible without the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill us and we ask you to Give us the strength to continue to trust you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. That you're strong enough to hold us. You're strong enough for us to trust you. Be glorified in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.